You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. This is for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. This podcast is a trust-based, trauma-informed, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Well, this is typically the part of an episode where you might hear the dulcet tones of Christopher Turner saying, Greetings and welcome to the Empowered Parent Podcast. <laughs> but... Young Chris is unfortunately unavailable to record this evening, and so uh, we spoke to him briefly yesterday. He has a family commitment, so we spoke to him briefly yesterday and said, hey, the show must go on without Chris, so you've just got Ryan and Kayla tonight, and so maybe a little bit of an insight into how um, we we communicate in marriage. I don't know. We've never actually <laughs> done an episode just, just the you. two of us. Yeah. I know. It's kind of strange doing an episode with just the two of us. And we're actually sitting by our fire because, well, that's just kind of fun to record fireside. So I don't know. I'm assuming you can't hear crackling uh, fire in the background, but I love the sound of the crackling fire in the background. Be a lot cooler if you did. No, <laughs> it would be lots of fun if you could hear that in the background. That's uh. That, that, that's a tip of the cap to Chris, my Matthew McConaughey impersonation. Oh, is that what that was? Oh, be a lot cooler if you <laughs> did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. And we're already digressing and Chris oh, is not even here. Yeah, so clearly it's we us. can't blame him. It's us. <laughs> okay. So um, we, we kind of started, you know, with episode one of season eight, getting into this, this series, um, kind of getting back to basics and understanding um, you know, some foundational things, and so episode one um, was was basically answering the question, what is trauma? Mm-hmm. And uh, in episode two, we want to talk about fear and felt safety. And so I will say, and you, you'll, you know this, Kayla, because obviously um, you've watched me learn and grow as a parent, but you'll know that, um, this, that understanding this idea of felt safety was probably something that I was a little slow on the uptake, right? I mean, I understand the concept of being safe and really had tied, you know, being safe and feeling safe as being the same thing, but it really, really isn't. Well, and I think it's funny because when we're talking about ourself, we understand that idea of feeling safe. But when it came to our kids, the idea of feeling safe when we knew they were safe was really hard to wrap our head around. You know, I think I was the same way. It was like, if I'm, if I don't feel safe in a situation, I know what that feels like. Like my body doesn't feel safe. I can feel the tightness in my chest or the dryness in my mouth. You know, those physical Mm. symptoms that I feel when I'm in a situation where I don't feel safe. You know, whether it's I walk into a crowd of people I don't know, or maybe it's when I, um, you know, have to do something that makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't really feel safe in that situation. I have those physical manifestations, but I'm not really always so acutely aware of my kids in those situations. Yeah. 
And so it did. It took a, I think it just, just took us a lot of time of really putting ourselves into our kids' situation and, and, and getting beyond knowing that they were safe, right? So we've had a situation recently with one of our kids with school um, and and just this not feeling safe in a classroom. There's one classroom where um, this kiddo just doesn't feel that the other kids like her and doesn't yeah. feel that she belongs in that class. So she actually gets these physical manifestations of her stomach hurts. You know, there's this, I mean, there's this, this deep anxiety that goes along with not feeling safe in that classroom. And so we've been having lots of conversations about how we can help her begin to feel safe. I know she's safe. I know the teacher in that classroom is a safe teacher, I know that the school is a safe environment. I know, you know, I know in my head that she is safe, but she doesn't feel safe. And so we still have to do things to help her feel safe in that environment. Yeah, it is. It is crazy, right? When, when you don't feel safe, how you can feel that in your body and then and your mind kind of starts to take over, right? I, you know, one, so just a couple of things, one of the ways that, this makes the most sense to me is when you compare flying versus driving. And, we, you know, we talk about flying, at least I talk about flying stories a lot. Yeah. Um, but, but the flying versus driving thing where, you know, I, I read a, a, you know, a study from some years ago where 40% of Americans surveyed said they were afraid of flying and afraid being somewhere between very nervous and flat out refusing to get on an airplane. Yeah. 40% admitted to being afraid of flying. So the, the real number is probably higher than that. Nobody admits to being afraid of driving in a car. And so um, part of that is because even though we know you are statistically safer in an airplane than you are in a car, or to say that another way, you're more likely to die in a car accident between your driveway and the and the parking garage at the airport than you are once you're on the airplane. But that doesn't really matter, right? Because it's where kids, uh, where people feel safe that they actually are able to function and, and operate in, in the way they were intended to in that environment. And so as somebody who spends a lot of his life afraid of flying, I can certainly tell you about all of the, the physical manifestations. Yeah. And it's, the crazy thing about it is... Um, unless you you have real felt safety issues, you don't actually you know understand what that's like. But I remember that you know, and, and people may go, "Wow, that's that's really like out there." But I remember like being nervous in the terminal, not even being nervous in the air. And yeah. I remember being you know, and you get on the airplane, and then your anxiety spikes, and you're still just in in an object on the ground that's not even in motion on the ground, let alone in the air, but like the tightness in your chest and, and, and the sweaty palms and all of that, that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is crazy how when you don't feel safe, all these, manif the, these physical manifestations happen. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, when I was a child, um, these movies came out, the Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm way too young to have gone to have seen um, them in the movie theater originally, but... <laughs> Unlike Chris Turner, who's not here to defend himself. <laughs> um, but uh, I do remember um, 
you know, watching them as a child and and just being really terrified of Darth Vader. Mm. And I remember one time as an adult, I just had like my, my iPod on shuffle back when you had an iPod and you mm. didn't, it wasn't just listen to music on your phone. Uh, on shuffling the car one night, driving home from somewhere, I was by myself and I was on a on a dimly lit road and it was shuffling through and the Imperial March came on, which is of course the dun 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 dun, dun, dun the, the Darth Vader theme song as a lot of yeah. people know it. And I remember just feeling like like feeling my body tense up and I was literally scared like Darth Vader was, was about sta- to enter the yeah, room. It's like you're standing behind me. <laughs> so crazy. But but if I can remember how, how just how that made me feel, then I have to have a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion for my children when 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 fear is driving their behavior because when they don't feel safe, right? That's the thing that I think I needed to understand is that is that when they don't feel safe, the behavior is driven exactly the same way as if they were actually in in, in a situation where they were in real danger. Right. All of those fear responses become very real, and they do those things because their body is feeling that state of I am not safe, even though, I mean, you can logically tell them and we could tell them all day long. You're, you're okay. Everything's fine. You're, you're safe right where you are. You know, we can, we can try and talk to that left part of their brain, the logical part of their brain, but they're not there. They're not in that upstairs brain. You know, they are, very much in their downstairs brain. They're very much in um, the part of their brain that is that is controlled by fear, even though they might be completely physically safe. And that is, that's hard. Because as a parent, I want to just say, it's going to be fine. Just move on. Yeah, you're not scared. You're not scared. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid of that. Just, I mean... It doesn't matter if there's mean girls. That's, you know, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it's just a small portion of your life, you know. And it, I want to, to speak to the logical side of my kids when they're in those situations. Sure. But there's no logic to fear. There's no logic mm. to the way they are feeling. So all I can do is I can figure out how can I help them feel safe. You know, how can I... Maybe we can modify the environment slightly, you know, so we've been talking, you know, with our, we've been talking with our daughter just a little bit about, you know, how I can modify the environment slightly for her so that she feels safe. You know, what does that look like? How will we, how can we change things? Is there something you can take with you that will help you? Is there something we can do? Can we you know, ask your teacher for a certain accommodation or, you know, there's just different things that we can do to sort of begin to modify her environment. So she begins to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and then being able to just help her understand what's happening, right? She knows she's safe and I can talk to her and tell her that she's safe. And she's like, I know. And she knows that her teacher is going to protect her and is going to keep her safe. You know, I mean, she knows that nothing bad is going to happen, but it doesn't stop that tummy ache from starting days before she has to go. It doesn't stop any of that. Well, you're, you're kind of jumping into the, like, what, what can we do about that? But before, before we get to, you know, talking about some, some strategies that we can employ to, to help our kids feel safe. And 
hey, quite honestly, help ourselves feel safe uh, yeah. in an environment that, that we may find ourselves in. I, I want to go back to a few things that you said about the brain. And so, um, number one, you talk about the difference between your upstairs and your downstairs brain. Um, and then even before that, kind of that left, right, where you got, you said, you know, I want to logically explain to my child right. why they shouldn't be afraid. And I think that's a mistake that the parents make a lot. I certainly know it's a mistake I've made a lot uh, in that, you know, when, when you're stuck in your emotional part of your brain, right, that's where they talk about, you know, in the connected child, you, you don't just tell your child, no, you're in your emotional part, come over here, the logic part. You go over there and you, and you fetch them and you walk them over, right? right? You, you connect first. Right. right? You, have to, you have to meet them in that emotional brain, not like with the same <laughs> intensity of emotion necessarily, but meet them on an emotional level. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to know that, and oh my gosh, we can just grab a trailer and do like a four-hour episode because this now is about your child feeling feeling seen and heard mm-hmm. by you, which is so important from an attachment point of view mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but but we won't go down that rabbit hole. I think we'll talk about attachment later on in the series, if, if I remember correctly. And I do remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but... But having this child like feel seen and heard, so you're like, I can see that really upsets you. Yeah. Right. I can see you're really frustrated, and it's another great opportunity to expand our children's emotional vocabulary because we're we're describing their feelings to them, which lets which gives them their emotional vocabulary that we want them to have, and two. It also lets them know, I see you, because they mm-hmm. feel the frustration in their body. They feel the anger in the body. They feel the fear in their body. So you go over there and you connect with them emotionally. And then you walk over the lo- the logic part over there. Um, I-, I remember years ago, because I think um, very close to you know eight or ten years ago, somewhere in that window, a very small little girl knocked on our bedroom door one night at about 2.30 a.m., and I opened the door in my half-awake state, and she said, Daddy, I'm scared. And I said, you're not scared. Go back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and in a, in, a, in a surprising turn of events. That didn't work very well? She knocked on the door the next night. Now, I realize <laughs> that you only know of these events because I have told the story multiple times <laughs> because uh, my dear, sweet Kayla, everybody listening out there, can sleep through anything, not just alarm yes. clocks. Absolutely anything. I think if she lived in London in the ni- in nineteen forty, um, she probably would have slept through the bombing of London. Um, <laughs> like what happened last night? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so the next night she came back, and then this is around about the time we were learning about about you know really kind of dialing into this type of thing, and and so I remember the next night uh, when she went to bed the next a few nights later. I, I knelt next to her bed and I said, sweetheart, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're scared, then I want you to come find daddy and let me know. And now, um, this may surprise you, but in an amazing turn of events, she didn't knock on the door at 2.30 that night. Yeah. Which is awesome, right? And so that's the night I learned that sometimes you have to do the counterintuitive thing to get the results you want. Yeah. Right. Now, in case anybody's wondering, it wasn't quite that easy to get her to not come back over and over again. But yeah. it was little steps like that. Have you ever right? told it the story before? It wasn't, huh? No, I'm just letting me insight into the marriage there. I was just, 
making a point in narrative form. Like, okay, let's get into the details. It wasn't quite the next. Well, I just because I can, she I can me out tell. All the time. Well, you know, like if I was listening, I think I'd be going. Um, so it was just magical. You just told her to come find you, and everything was fine. And there's no magical of, sleep. No, there is. No you know, there's sleep. no magical sleep um, thing. We but an I think on sleep some point. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things though that that we have learned is that there's not a magical like, oh, if you just say these little words or if you just do this little thing, then your child's automatically going to feel safe and all the struggles are going to go away. But what we've created is an environment where our kids come to us when they're struggling. And, and it started with things like that, just little things like when they came to us to say, I'm scared. I can't sleep. And they began to feel, did that mean they were never scared again? No, but it meant they felt like they could come to us and say, I'm scared. Yeah. And so you can't be a different parent every night of the week. Yes. And I think sometimes that's really easy to do. Like when you, you know, you listen to like, for instance, you listen to a podcast episode and you're like, I'm going to try that tonight. And it works really well. And then you do it for a few nights. And then on the fourth night you get really irritated because you're like, okay, my kid's still coming back and, and doing the same thing. And well, I'm just going to give up on this and try something yeah. different. Which we do a have, lot. Which, I mean, and it's easy to do. Well, with anything, right? I mean, you know, it's the start of the new year. And so people are like, well, I'm going to work out, you know, and I work out and then I work out and then I work out and then I get on the scale and it hasn't gone down. And you're like, ah, try something different. This is clearly not working. You know, I mean, I think we can... We do that with parenting too, and there's so many, um, there's so many things with parenting we have to be really consistent with, and this creating this environment where our kids feel safe is a matter of consistency. It's a matter of being that reliable parent that they're expecting us to be, being that parent that meets them with that kindness and meets them with that, um, I'm here for you, I see yeah. you, I hear you over and over and over and over again. Hey friends, it's Kayla North, and I want to tell you about a course that Ryan and I created just for you. Moms and dads walking this connected parenting journey need someone to walk alongside them. And that's what Build is all about. We've taken the best connected parenting principles and put them into a six-week course where we can walk alongside you and help answer your questions as you try out these strategies and learn new things. Want to join our next round of Build? Look at the show notes for a link so you can find out when the next course is starting. All of these courses are taught virtually, so it doesn't matter where you are. Join us for our next round of Build. Because let me ask you um, a question, because, you know, sometimes it is said sad can look like mad. Yep. Well, scared can look like a lot of things, too. Right. Yeah. And you and you kind of briefly touched on when, when yeah. you know, when they're downstairs brains running the show. And so, you know, the, the upstairs brain, you know. Well, that, that develop part of your mind. And this happens to adults too, but it happens a lot more with kids. It happens a lot more with kids with trauma histories where where they're emotional. You know, the limbic system, the amygdala is running the show and that part of your brain that can logically tell you everything is okay is not being heard at all. Right. Um, 
So let's talk just briefly, and I know we've mentioned this, we've talked about this before, uh, but again, this is a ba- in, in, in a back-to-basics series. So let's just give an example of a fight or flight and a freeze response when a child is scared, right? Because that, 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 that sense of felt safety has been compromised, which means that now yeah. the amygdala is running the show, and so all of a sudden you have a child that has a fight response because they're scared, and so parents don't parents don't i know we still struggle even though we know better but i remember early on we really struggled with this when there's a child who was giving some sort of fight response i didn't go how can i make them feel safe as sort of a way to counter that right because the fight response is the one where you know well so going back to the example of the the kid who doesn't feel safe in a classroom so if they're not feeling safe at school then the fight response you might see would be, I'm not going to do that schoolwork. Yep. I'm not going to go to class. Uh, and it might be just that that real sense of pushing back against you, verbally yep. saying, I'm not going to do it, you can't make me. And not necessarily giving you a reason why, not giving you any kind of, you know, maybe you haven't quite discovered that they don't feel safe. And so... Then when they say to you, I'm not doing my math homework today. You can't make me. There might be this underlying, if I don't do my math homework, then I'm not going to have to go to class because I won't have it done, right? Or there might be something else that's going on. And so it can oftentimes, the fight really looks like bad behavior. Fight response really looks like it might be physically fighting with you. But it could just be verbally saying, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me or that kind of pushing back on you or on whatever that situation is. So maybe it's maybe you're you're getting ready to go to the place that they don't feel safe. And as you're getting ready to go to that place, all of a sudden, everything's a big deal. They're fighting with their siblings. They're, you know the fact that they didn't get the snack they wanted is all of a sudden this huge deal. And they're just really everything that could be this fight response because it's that I'm not going to go to that place that makes me feel unsafe, but I don't have the words to tell you that. So their brain is fighting against going there. Um, So I think oftentimes when we hear that fight, we think that they're physically fighting with us, but a lot of times it's, this verbal it's this this words that are happening and it sounds like disrespect or it sounds like defiance you know a lot of those words that we use to label our kids oftentimes that's what it sounds like but it could very well be this fear response and they're fighting against going to that place that doesn't make them feel safe or doing that thing that doesn't make them feel safe. Well, I mean, this is an example of of why we are uh, very, very vocally opposed to sending kids to their room. Because if a child was abused in their room, right, being in that room is going to remind them of the environment where they were physically hurt. And so um, they they, they experience that all in their body all over again. And so we'll give a plug for one of our famous uh, favorite books, The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Yeah. Bessel, friend of Kolk, which is an amazingly, amazingly insightful book. Um, you know, we didn't talk about flight or freeze responses yet. I think those are actually easier to connect to a sense of 
compromise felt safety, you know, right. flight running, running Getting away, away from the situation, away from the situation. Uh, and so just want to just do the little, little reminder there that sometimes, uh, run, removing yourself physically is not always possible. So you just sort of remove yourself in another way. And so I know that I used to work with a guy who, when we had, we're in a meeting and the meeting kind of got tense, he would say something just really stupid. And so that was his way of fleeing the tension of, of right. the meeting by trying to interject some humor. So I don't know if we really have to get into that one too too terribly much. And then freeze, I don't think either. I think that's probably the one that's easiest for me to understand because, uh, you know, when you're really scared, you can't really you, you, you can't speak or you can't move. Uh, if you've ever been in a situation where you knew you had to get away, but you were unable to get away, you understand what that's like. And I think what we have to remember for our kids is when they have any of these responses, fight, flight, or freeze, based on they don't feel safe, we have to connect those responses to them not feeling safe. And then what we have to do is make sure is is make sure that we can do whatever we can to help them feel safe. Our people will say to us, "Well, my child's really, really uh, tries to control our house." And w- early on in this work, I remember. I would say things like, "Well, let's figure that out. Let's see what we can do. How can we? How can we really work work on that child? Help that child improve their behavior?" But now, uh, my first question back to parents when I get asked that is, "Well, what can you do to make your child feel more safe in your home?" Yeah, yeah, because different situations are going to, you know, I think evoke those emotions of not feeling safe. So it might be. You know, that they feel safe in your home as a general rule, but there's something that happens or there's something, there's a situation that happens. Maybe it's somebody comes over. Maybe it's the change in routine. Maybe it's a, you know, going from one thing to another. Maybe they're having to do something that's hard. Yeah. And they're, and they just don't feel safe for whatever reason. And so I think that, um, Sometimes it's hard, it was hard for me to figure out that my kids didn't feel safe in a situation and that I might have to do something to help them feel safe. Um, And that doesn't mean that all the responsibility is the parents, because as your kids get older, that's the beautiful thing is you can begin to, you can challenge them a little bit. You can say, hey, that's a really scary situation. You know, you're really... You really don't feel very safe there. How can we work together to figure out how to get... It's not all on you. You know, when they're little, you are doing a lot of modifying. You're doing a lot of helping them feel safe, preparing them for situations, all of that kind of stuff. But as they get older, and that's kind of what we've seen as our kids have gotten into middle school, into high school, it's not that we have to change everything for them. It's that we maybe have to be the ones that recognize you're not feeling very safe in that situation. Yeah. You that's not a, a place where you um, feel safe. So how can how can I help you? How can you help you feel safe in that situation? What are some things that you can do? Um, what are some things that you can do ahead of time? Um, like for instance, like we when we record the podcast, we typically do it after our kids go to bed, mm-hmm. and one of our kids said to us. I don't know what it is, but every time you record the podcast, I just want to come and interrupt you. Yeah. 
And we were like... I remember that like that was last week. Like it was last week. Yeah, it may have been last week. Um, But I remember the first thing I thought was, that's the strangest thing in the whole world. But then as we started kind of really diving into it, what we realized was this kid didn't have access to us in that moment because she knew that she needed, you know, she always knows that she can come to us whenever, but she knows when we're recording the podcast that we need a little bit of quiet time and we can't be interrupted. And so what we had to do was we said, Hey, what are some things that you can do when you feel that urge to interrupt? Because you know, mom and dad are going to be done soon. It's not when we haven't gone anywhere. We're right there. We're obviously available in an emergency. You can come in, but what is it that you can do to help calm yourself if you're feeling nervous that you don't have access to us in that moment? And she was quickly able to come up with several things that she could do to occupy her time until she heard us finish and was able to come and ask us for whatever it was she needed. And so because she's getting older and able to, we're able to process that with her. And we didn't have to say, well, we're just going to have to wait until she's asleep or which we might've had to do if she was four, you know, we might've had to just say, well, we have to be available because for my child, they need me available. But now because she's older, we're able to give her some things and give her a little bit of ownership over recognizing the situation doesn't make her feel safe and helping her modify her own environment, helping her take some control of that environment to, begin to feel safe yeah so so there was a lot there a lot of really good parenting uh advice you also kind of uh teased the next episode in um in this series you know we we joked last about coming up on the empowered parent podcast (laughs) but we're all going to talk about the basics of attachment and then we'll talk about the stages of regulation yeah which you alluded to there um there are also some tips that we gave um here and so we didn't say tip number one but I am just going to say some of the things that we talked about here. So for those folks who, who want to write this down or um, who want to, you know, just rewind and write it down. Uh, those that we talked about modifying your child's environment. We talked about creating pre- predictability, being consistent. And then the last thing you talked about was being proactive. Yeah. And so um, those are the things we talked about. Um, I think we're out of time, but as we, to wrap this up, I just want to remind everybody of something that we really, really believe with all of our hearts, and that is children heal where they feel safe. Yeah. And so um, I know this is the part where Chris has a, a a memorized, he used to read it, I think it's just memorized now, about how, all the ways to get hold of us. Um, I'm just going to leave that up to Dallas. And so at the end here, it'll sound like Chris was with us, because he'll just clip it from another episode and tag it on here. But... Um, Hey guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this fireside chat with Ryan and Kayla. (laughs) And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you have any questions, please email us at info at onebighappyhome.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you've enjoyed and gotten value from our show, we'd love a five-star review on any of those locations. You can also support us and the podcast for as little as $5 a month by visiting patreon.com slash empowered parent, where you can also gain access to the private Facebook group for Patreon subscribers, along with a host of other perks. 
the Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adoptive kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.